Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post. Joined today by my good friend, Jared Dubin from CBSSports.com, who uh, was very prolific tonight, uh, pounding out a lot of really interesting scheduled data uh, not long after the 6 o'clock release. And so I was trying. I was going to talk about the, the, the schedule with somebody and figured I'd talk about Jared. So what's, uh, what's going on, man? And what, what, are you, what were your initial thoughts on, on the release of, of the, the upcoming schedule here? Uh, not too much going on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Um, my initial thoughts, I mean, look, I don't see how you could initially think anything other than that the league, in addition to every TV network, has also been taken over with ball sanity. Like The, Lake, <laughs> the Lakers had the fourth fewest wins in the league last year, and they have the fifth most national TV games in the league next season, um, with their only like real significant addition being Lonzo Ball, you know, I know they signed KCP also, but he's not like the reason they're yeah, on national nobody's, TV. Nobody's turning on a, a national televised game to watch Contavious yeah. Caldwell Pope. No offense to him. Yeah. yeah, look, I would turn on a league pass game to watch him guard point guards, but no, but again, no, like you said, nobody's turning on a ESPN to watch him. It's it's Lonzo Ball and his father, which is the reason why the Lakers are on TV so many times. That's I mean, that's the thing that stood out the most. Yeah, I, you know, obviously, you know, LeVar Ball, you know, Lonzo's father's gotten a ton of attention. And, and I'm going to be really curious to see how that plays out. Because if you go back to last season at, at UCLA, he didn't really make a lot of noise from mm-hmm. November until March. It was really only after his son's season ended that he really started to come out and promote his shoe, shoe line and, and go crazy with all this stuff, right? So if he kind of follows a similar tack now in the NBA and, and doesn't really get uh, in Lonzo's way and, and take up his airspace, then... I think I think the league could end up being pretty disappointed because there's just not going to be a lot of interest in this Laker team, even though I think they're going to be more fun because Lonzo, I think, just generally is a fun player to watch and his up-tempo style will be fun. If if LeVar Ball isn't making a lot of headlines and creating a lot of attention, they could that could wind up being a lot of dud games with Lakers Lakers against a variety of good NBA teams You know, over the next six months. Yeah, I've got two sort of... I guess they're not really connected, but divergent thoughts on that. Like, first, I think it's possible that Lavar wasn't making a whole lot of noise last season during the season because there was no money to be made off of Lonzo and his likeness while he was in college. You're yep. not allowed to do that. And That's then true. once once he finished his season, Lavar started ratcheting it up. And I think you know you've seen the explosion in popularity of Lonzo. And and I think that while he's a charismatic player. He doesn't, you know, talk a whole lot. Like his, he's not like a self promoter type, right? Um, and and the, the way he plays is obviously infectious. And I think that we'll see that with the Lakers on the court. So their games could be relatively entertaining when they're on TV, even if I don't necessarily think they're going to be a good team. As you know, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later on. So you know, I I, th- I don't necessarily think we're going to see Lavar sort of recede into the background like he did when Lonzo was at UCLA. But I also think that even though the Lakers probably won't justify their national TV schedule in terms of wins, they might do so in terms of entertainment, which is actually sort of what I thought before last season, too, because they had a bunch of young guys and they were going to play fast and they were going to you know, try to score, but also be really bad at defense, which is you know, a good mix for an entertaining game. 
Yeah, I think the difference is that, you know, Lonzo Ball is just a, a more dynamic passer and, and pushes the ball even harder than D'Angelo Russell, right? I mean, I, I think mm-hmm. that's really the difference. And they will be – I think I'm with you. I, I mean, you you joked in our in our outline before the pod. I, I, they're not going to win 35 games. It's just the number of times they're on national TV. But the, I do think they could be a pretty entertaining watch. And I, I do think that, you know, it, their style of play will at least lead them to have a chance to be an entertaining team. But I do think the NBA, to your point, is really banking on – you know, the Lonzo and LeVar Ball experience continuing for the next six, you know, for the next eight months or so, if they're really going to get maximum exposure out of those, out of those 35 Laker dates. But to, to move on a little bit, um, you know, looking at the national TV schedule, we both went through and kind of did the math on, on the, the amount of games each team got, you know, which teams outside of the Lakers were you surprised about and, and which teams in terms of the numbers they got and, and, and which teams did you think were just about right in terms of you know where they should have been? Yeah, I think the Raptors only having twelve national TV games is weird. Uh, you know they're they've been a top you know two or three team in the East for the last few years. They should be a top half of the East team again. They've got two All Stars in Lowry and DeRozan. They got a guy that you know a lot of casual NBA fans know uh, in Serge Ibaka, who's been in the playoffs you know for the last whatever it is seven eight years. And they've got, you know, all of Canada that watches them, you know, Canada's team. I was surprised they only wound up with 12 national TV games. And I think a bunch of those, seven of them, are on NBA TV. So they're only on TNT once and ESPN four times, not on ABC at all. That was really strange to me that they're so far down the list with national TV. Well, you've got to to remember with the Raptors, the... American ratings don't factor in any Canadian audience. So there's always going to be a bit of a bias against the Raptors. And I actually thought that was a pretty representative spot for them to be. If you look at the Eastern Conference, the, the, the Cavs and Celtics both got a ton of games, as you'd expect. If you're going to pick a team to market in the American audience, the, the Wizards getting a lot more games than them, I thought made a lot of sense because when you have John Wall and Bradley Beal and you're in D.C., which is a pretty big market, I think that's an area where you can really try to maximize some attention if you're the NBA. Plus, it's a new team that's kind of coming on the scene a little bit from an interest standpoint. So uh, I thought that made sense. I think that, you know, the fact that teams like Philly and Milwaukee had more games than them made sense because those are younger up-and-coming teams um, that they, you know, guys like Joel Embiid and Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons and Giannis Antetokounmpo and hopefully Jabari Parker if he's healthy uh, coming off his torn ACL. I, I think those are teams that they want to try to lift those stars up. And I frankly think Toronto's not going to be that good. Uh, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs because the East is a joke, but um, I, I'm guessing they're not going to host a first-round series. So if you factor that into being them, say, the fifth or sixth best team in the East and they don't get the credit for being in a huge market in Toronto in terms of the TV share, I, I wasn't too surprised that, that they only ended up with 12 national TV games myself. Yeah, the, the TV share thing explanation makes sense, I guess. But, like, they have the same amount of national TV games as Sacramento. Phoenix has more than them. The Knicks and the Pelicans have more than that. Like, that's that seems a little bit strange. Um, the team I was most disappointed, like, Memphis is only on national TV eight times, um, three times in non-NBA TV. I mean, that's a team that's been to the playoffs, whatever it is, eight, nine years in a row now. Yeah. Mark Gasol and Mike Conley, like, are so good. They're such a, like, I understand they're not, like, fun to watch because they don't play necessarily the same style of modern basketball as everybody else. They lost Zebo, they lost Vince, who knows what's going to happen with Tony Allen. But, I mean, for them to have only five teams have fewer national TV games than them, you know, teams that I would say 
probably the four worst teams in the league, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Orlando, Chicago, and then, you know, the nondescript Pacers. Those are the only teams that have fewer national TV games than the Grizzlies, who are like an actually good team. That was disappointing, but I understand because, you know, they're not the biggest TV draw. They don't play the most exciting style of basketball, but I love them because they remind me of the Knicks teams that I grew up with. So <laughs> That's right. I, I also think that's a sign that the NBA thinks they're going to stink. Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, it, they that, certainly could fall off. The West is so competitive. What did they win, like 42 games last 42 year or something games like that? last year, yeah. And, and I think that, to me, that's always the interesting thing you look at when, when, I, when I, you pull up these national TV breakdowns and you look at how the league distributes those games. I mean, you look at the, you look at the top 10 teams. You've got the Thunder in there. You've got the Wolves in there. You've got the Wizards in there, the Spurs in there. You know, these aren't exactly huge markets, but – those are teams that the NBA expects are going to win 50 games and be really good and have big time stars on their teams, right? Jimmy Butler, John Wall, uh, Russell Westbrook, and Paul George, uh, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, those are all those are all teams that they look at and say we want to market these teams. You look at a team like Memphis. You look at you know, look at the Bulls, right? Like we both think the Bulls are going to be terrible, but still, for the Bulls to have one game on ABC, ESPN, or TNT all season, I mean, that to me is a sign that. The, the NBA recognizes they're going to be awful. The fact that your Knicks uh, are a team that only has, I think, eight games on ESPN and TNT, 13 overall. There's another one where you look at teams like Milwaukee and, uh, and Philadelphia both have more than them. Uh, teams like, you know, the Pelicans have more games than them. Uh, teams like Phoenix have as many or more games than them. You know, Sacramento and Utah and Toronto have more games than Chicago. That's a sign that the league is looking at those teams that says, even though they're in huge markets, these teams are going to be terrible and we're and boring to watch. And so we're not going to give them any kind of platform to really lift themselves up because we'd rather showcase, you know, the actual talent of some of these other teams. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it would be interesting if somebody wanted to compare Vegas over-unders to national TV games and see which teams the league thinks are going to be better than Vegas and vice versa. I think that would be something really interesting to look into. Well, I think that might be something I might be doing. How about that? Um, what, You're uh, welcome. Well, I also think... Um, no, sure. So, what do you got? Uh, I want to see... I didn't get a chance to look at when the national TV games are. The Clippers have 31, uh, 19, not including NBA TV. Right. I'm very curious to know if those are backloaded just in case Blake Griffin's not back at the start of the season. I believe from looking through it early on, I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of them do come later. Uh, I'll look that up right now, but while I'm doing so, I'd be curious, what, even though they came out last week, what were your thoughts on the opening week games and, and even more specifically your thoughts on the five Christmas Day games, which always get a ton of attention for obvious reasons? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the opening night schedule is about as good as you could ask for. Like probably I would say the top two teams – in each conference, um, you know, ring night obviously goes late this year. It starts at 1030. And I, by the way, like I live in New York, I think I might operate on a West Coast schedule throughout the entire season and just pretend that I live in California or something because all of the good games are going to be on late. Yes, they are. <laughs> the NBA but, is very heavily loaded towards the Western Conference now. But, you know, to have the top two contenders in each conference square off on the first night of the season, I think is really cool. Um, you know, and I think. We talked about it a little bit with the national TV schedule overall, but you look at the opening week schedule and you can see like they're invested in Philadelphia, who gets a, a ESPN game on the second night of the season, invested in Minnesota, who gets ESPN on the second night of the season. The Lakers get TNT on that Thursday. The, the Bucks have an, uh, a uh, national TV game opening week of the season. So, 
you know, you can see that they are invested in getting those young, ex- exciting teams out there. And, uh, you know, those were my thoughts on that week. You know, the the Christmas schedule, um, I would not have put the Knicks on Christmas. They are not good and they're not interesting. Right. And I don't know. I don't know why they put that. But I think that's also I also think that's the only team that they really screwed up with. I think if you look at the rest mm-hmm. of that schedule, I mean, I, I would have I think Philly being there is good. I would have had the Knicks play uh, or I would have had the Sixers play Milwaukee personally instead. Yep. Um, but I, I think you look at the rest of those games. Warriors Cavs always going to happen. Uh, Wizards Celtics makes a ton of sense after their series last year. Yeah, Wizards Celtics and uh, Rockets Thunder. I think when I guess the Christmas schedule a week out, I think I guess those two exactly. Yeah, those, those those made a ton of sense, and so did Lakers Wolves. I mean, you've got Lonzo Ball, you've got uh, Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler. I mean, the Lakers and Knicks are are almost always going to be on national TV unless they're just truly horrendous. Right. Those are the only teams that can be bad and they'll still put them on Christmas. Yes. And and I think, you know, for the NBA to get Philly, Boston, LA, and New York on national TV on Christmas, you know, and yeah. the Warriors. Uh, Philly, it's, Boston, it's really, LA, New York, the Warriors, and LeBron. That's about as good yeah, as you can and, ask for. And Houston. I mean, that's another huge market. I mean, it's it's they've got a ton of players in big markets now, which which really does give them a chance to to really promote a lot of these teams. Uh, to answer your question before, the Clippers have one TNT game before January 1st, and they have three one of their nine uh, TNT games for January 1st and three of their 10 ESPN games for January 1st, So and two of them in December. So the, I think the league, it was cognizant of the fact that Blake might not be back for a while and did, did kind of set it up pretty smartly to try to maximize as many games as they could with him around. Yeah, and that obviously makes sense, although they could wind up who knows what's going to happen? Like it, Blake's been on and off injured all the time. He's you know missed chunks of the season. Yep. Early missed chunks late. Like and, and so is Danilo Gallinari, who's their other big yeah. free agent acquisition. I mean, I, I actually and Patrick I, Beverly too has missed a bunch of games yep. throughout his career. I mean, I I I went out on a limb last year and said I thought the Thunder would miss the playoffs. Uh, obviously, Russell Westbrook went insane. They did not. I'm going to say that about the the Clippers this year. I I don't think the Clippers make the playoffs in the Western Conference between how good those teams out West are and um, the the injury issues that that team is going to have very clearly right from the start. I mean, we don't even know if Blake Griffin's going to be ready at any point early in the season. He might not be back till December. Um, And if he misses six weeks, it's hard for me to see how that team is going to be able to survive and make the playoffs when every game is going to be important to those teams from, say, 6 to 11 in the West to try to get in. Yeah, a bunch of the Western Conference, um, you start counting off teams, and it's basically like there's probably, what, three teams that you could cross off making the playoffs and everybody else I would is say theoretically four. possible. I would say Dallas, the Lakers, the Kings, and the Suns. And the other I 11, forgot about Dallas. Yeah, yeah, the other 11 teams I, are all have a very credible case to get in if everything goes right for them. Yeah, but you start counting from the bottom. Like I feel I don't see many ways that the Pelicans get into the top eight. Like I feel like a lot has to go right for um, <clears throat> excuse me for uh, for like Portland, Memphis, Utah, like uh, Denver. I mean, it's tough. It's tough to figure out. After the top four, I'd say I would like, say the top the five. Definitive fifth I think, best team. I think I think Minnesota's pretty should be pretty clearly ahead of the rest of those teams. Yeah, I mean, adding no, that's Jimmy true. Butler, adding Taj Gibson, 
Uh, Carl Towns should be even better this year. Wiggins, you yeah. would think, would take a step forward with Butler on the team. I mean, they add Jamal Crawford, who at least can give them some scoring off the bench that they didn't have. Uh, they might even get Shabazz Muhammad back on a minimum deal, which would give them some extra oomph off the bench. I, I, that team, I think, should be in the top five uh, yeah. with, with Oklahoma City, Houston, San Antonio, and the, and the Warriors, if, assuming no catastrophic injuries for any of those teams. But, I, but after that, I mean, like you said, you've got – Denver, Portland, Memphis, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Pelicans. I think all six of those teams could could get into those six through eight spots if things break right. And that is going to be a really fun thing to watch. And you saw, you know, Memphis didn't really get a ton of looks nationally, but the rest of those teams all got a pretty good amount. And that's because they all have the chance to be, you know, pretty exciting, interesting teams next season. When um when you when when you look at the uh, you went through and looked at all the, the schedules in terms of strength of schedule and, and breaking it down mm-hmm. from that standpoint. Uh, what, what were some of the takeaways you, you had from that? So one thing I, I do this every year where I as quickly as I can try to break down the strength of schedule overall pre and post all-star break and by month for each of the teams and without fail, because always the first thing I post is the overall strength of schedule. The first thing that a bunch of people respond with is, Oh my God, I can't believe the Cavs and the Warriors have such easy schedules. This is such nonsense. How could the <laughs> league do this? Right. It's, it is very important to remember that a team cannot play itself. Right. So inherently, teams that were bad last year have tougher schedules than teams that were good last year. Uh, it's also important to remember that the Eastern Conference teams play teams in the East more than teams from the West do. So Eastern Conference teams inherently have easier schedules than teams from the West. And that's why nine of the ten toughest schedules this year wound up being Western Conference teams, with uh, the only East team in the top ten being the Nets because you know they were so bad. And that's why Philly. Um, that's why Philly has the or Phoenix has the single hardest schedule when they have to play the the Warriors and and the Clippers and all these other West teams a million times. And the Cavs right. have the easiest schedule in the league based off last exactly. year's exactly. Yeah, and it's all of them are based off last year's record and last year's Pythagorean records, which, you know, you can read up on, on basketball reference. It's basically just, you know, what your record would be based on your point differential, not necessarily your win loss. And actually this year, the strength of schedule for Pythagorean expectation was exactly the same rankings as the overall strength of schedule based on last year's win loss. So nobody that, really, really had any changes there. Yeah. The year before and the year before that, there were, you know, a couple minor differences, maybe by one, two, three spots, something like that. But this year, the rankings were all exactly the same. So, But even within that, like, okay, the Cavs have the easiest schedule and the Suns have the hardest schedule. The difference between their two schedules is the equivalent of 2.7 wins a year. Like, the Suns play the equivalent of, like, a 41-win team every night, and the Cavs play the equivalent of a 38-win team every night. It's really not a big difference. And that's why, you know, as our friend Nate Duncan pointed out you know people that talk about how being in the western conference suppresses teams records during the regular season are kind of off base like the schedules while they are harder the difference is sort of negligible like a couple wins is really not making that much of a difference i mean you're still playing the way you have to look at this is every team plays every team in the league twice Right. Mm-hmm. So it's really two thirds of your schedule, more than two thirds of your schedule is the same as everybody else. So when you look at it that way, if you're only talking about, say, 28 to 30 percent of your schedule being different than the other conference, 29 percent of the schedule. Yeah. Is, so has variations. So it's hard. It's hard at that point to have it be seven games harder. Right. I mean, it, mm-hmm. unless you're playing the, the Warriors every single night and. 
a team in the East is playing the Nets every single night, uh, you're just not going to have that much variation when it's really you're only talking about, like you said, a couple extra wins when you when you break it all down over over the course of 82 games. Right. Exactly. And look, there's some of these things like, you know, it's I think it matters more like when your schedule is tough than like how tough it is overall. You know, as an example, you know, we were talking about the Sixers earlier. They start the year with the toughest October, November schedule. Then they have the second easiest December schedule, but then they have the toughest January schedule. So we're going to find out a lot about whether or not that team is going to be any good this year pretty early. Well, and also, again, like Joel Embiid is coming back from some kind of a knee procedure. He said mm-hmm. he's going to be ready for camp. What if he gets into the season slowly, right? If he's not playing early right. on, they have a lot of tough games. You could get in a big hole, and then your season could be over even before you, you know it. Not that, not that they're not going to be interesting anyway because of the young talent they have, but that's a team that has designs on potentially making the playoffs, being kind of a factor this year. And if, if they have a tough slate early and Joel can't play, all of a sudden that could go right out the window real fast. Yeah, and look, I don't think he's even gotten back to working out yet, right? No, it's what he said. I mean, he's he's talking about being ready for camp, but it's the same thing as Blake Griffin. Like these guys that have been hurt over and over again, you have to assume they're not going to be healthy until they are, and and that could really you know mess some stuff up. And that's why you know I I I applaud the league for giving them a lot of national TV dates because they do have a lot of interesting young players and some cool personalities, most most notably his, but. It is a risk because you have Joel, who play, has played 31 games in his career. You have Ben Simmons, who didn't play last year. You have Markel Fultz, who got hurt in summer league. I mean, you have some guys with some injury issues, and Markel was, had some knee issues in college last year. He was one year at Washington. I mean, if, if those guys are banged up, the Sixers go from being a really fascinating team to watch to one nobody is going to want to watch play at all. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, we were talking about those bottom half of the West contenders. Um, you know, Utah – really 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 needs to get off to a great start because they have the easiest opening month october november schedule in the league and then the hardest december schedule their december schedule is actually the second hardest month overall of any team in the entire year Uh, only denver's february is harder but there are fewer games in that month so i would think that the jazz's december is probably actually the toughest month just because you know the the all-star break right and the trade deadline are baked into february so and I mean the difference is point oh oh seven in terms of winning percentage. So it's basically the same thing. Um, and then Denver has really easy schedules the first two months of the year: twenty second in October, November, and twenty fourth in December. But then they have the eighth toughest January schedule and the toughest month of the entire year in February. So they need to get off to a hot start too. And you know one of those two teams stumbling out of the gate, or one of those two teams getting off to a really good start could go a long way toward determining who grabs the bottom half of the West playoffs. Right. Especially with, like we said before, two of those two teams are in the middle and in the third team on your toughest month list is new Orleans in April, uh, where mm-hmm. that's a team that could be in the mix too. And if they come down the stretch and have a lot of tough games, that could be a determining factor too. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. 
Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. To shift gears a little bit, one thing that the NBA is really focused on this year is incorporating rest into the schedule. They built in a day off on each side of all of their ABC games. They built in a day off on each side of the Christmas Day games. They built in a day off on each side of the Martin Luther King Day games. They've really tried to emphasize those national television games in order to maximize the amount of their stars that will be able to play in those games, to not have any of the rest issues that dogged them throughout last season, to not have these you know, week-long debates about what the merits are in terms of whether you should rest players or whether, you know, what's the right thing for the league, what's the right thing for the team, what's the right thing for the player. They've really gone out of their way to try to fix that and to remove that from even being a discussion point. In addition, the league for the first time has completely eliminated four and five nights from the schedule. No team has one first time that's ever happened. There's only 36 instances of five games and seven nights down from 90 a year ago. It all goes back to the NBA really trying to make sure that these players have plenty of rest so and are able to play in all these games. So what do you think of the changes that the league has made to try to increase rest in the schedule? Do you think it's going to finally you know, kind of put this problem to bed? Yeah, look, it's an obvious move. You know, getting rid of the four and fives was huge. I saw they went from 72 years ago to 20 last year to zero this year. That's, I mean, that's the thing that I Tom Haverstrow and Kevin Arnovitz have been digging into that for years, and that's like the worst thing for the players is those four games and five nights. To get rid of them entirely is obviously a huge step uh, in the right direction, and Getting rid of the re- or sorry, getting rid of back-to-backs before you know these big national TV games uh, is great. Also, because you know everybody wants to see these guys playing in those big games. Now, I think that there might be an issue when you know even though it's not a back-to-back, somebody should be resting and Pop decides you know no, it's not the fourth game in five nights and it's not a back-to-back. But well, you know, that's Kawhi just, Leonard that's, has played 25 games in a row. They're and not going to sit him. They're not going to be able to do that. I mean that's just that's just the bottom line. I mean they're they're and, gonna, but they're here's gonna... the thing like what happens if somebody gets hurt in that situation and it's like well we were gonna sit them but the league said that we couldn't you know I I think no matter what you try to do to legislate out guys being rested in big games there's gonna have an issue that crops up you just have to hope it's not with you know a super important player. No, I agree with you, but I, I think look it, it's it, you basically never see these guys rest when there is a day on each side, right? Like mm-hmm. they just never sit in those games. And I understand, I understand where you're coming from in terms of there is the league is never going to legislate it through all the way down to the letter. Uh, what these guys have to do in terms of resting, resting players. But look, they very clearly have set this up to where if you're playing in one of those Saturday night games, if your guy's healthy, they expect them to play. And, and I think, Oh yeah. I, and I think and that's good. Like that's what we want to see. Right. You know, but I do think that there could be, an issue where, you know, even though a guy is quote unquote healthy, he's fatigued and he's played, you know, 30 games in a row and maybe they haven't all been. And, you know, there's travel issues that have to be considered as well. Yep. It, like, it's not just the fact that it's a back to back. Like if you've been traveling all over the country and it's the end of a seven game road trip and even though you have a day off before and a day off after, that's really tough. Um, and, and I would be surprised to know or I would like to know how many of those TV games are coming on weird travel schedules too. 
Yeah, that'll be something to examine further. But I, I, I think it's safe to say the league has gone out of its way to make those games as hospitable as possible to the teams playing in them after the way last year went. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'll be very surprised if there's an issue with rest in any of those games because, look, the league has made it clear to these teams that they mean business about these games and they want them to not turn into uh, – you know, month, week-long debates about rest and whether that's the right thing to do or not. And so I think it's going to take pretty dramatic circumstances for a player, for the league to be cool with the player resting, which is why you've seen in recent days the reporting about the fact that the league is going to really hammer teams with fines or, or whatever punishment they can come up with if they do try to rest guys in these games because I think they're going to go to the teams and say, look, we've created every possible incentive for you guys to play these guys here, and if you can't, then you better have really, really good evidence otherwise, because otherwise we're going to have to come down on you to set an example. Yeah, I wonder what kind of evidence they would be able to present that the league would just say, okay, like obviously they're tracking all these players, you know, biometric data and all of the, you know, are they susceptible to in, to injury? Are they, you know, more susceptible to injury than they might be if they sat out tonight and then played tomorrow? Um, I wonder what the league would accept as an explanation for somebody sitting out. Yeah. And and, like, is there anything? And to your point, maybe we'll find out. I mean, maybe that will happen this year. I I don't think it's going to, because I think the league has probably worked with, there's only nine teams playing on these games or in these games. The only only... team I could see trying it is pop. Yeah. But I, and I, he might try it, but look, he also doesn't usually uh, completely flaunt stuff unless he thinks the league is doing stuff to intentionally hurt his team. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I think a lot of that has been, ameliorated because of the way the league has gone about trying to do this, right? They've gone out of their way to, um, to try to make this as hospitable as possible for, for the teams and the players. It's not like last year where you had the Warriors on a five and seven ending in San Antonio on a back to back from Minnesota, where it was like, this is an insane schedule. We can't play this game. Right. You know, I I don't, I don't think think something that would be interesting to do is, so, you know, I was looking through um, some of the, you know, team-specific schedules earlier. Right. And why aren't more of the back-to-backs home-home? Like, that eliminates, I think, a lot of, you know, the issue with it is having to travel somewhere else. Like, I just pulled up one of the, the team-specific schedules. It's the Knicks, for example. They have 14 back-to-backs, back-to-backs this season. Only one of them is a home-home. Like, if you're going to do back-to-backs like i feel like more of them should be home home so at least even though you're playing on consecutive nights you're not traveling in between i would guess because obviously home away away home and away away you're traveling no matter what right i I would say it's two things i would say the 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 reason you'll probably get first and it's something i may actually look into the the thing you'll get first is that it's hard to get back-to-back dates in a lot of these arenas like the Knicks, right. for example, are sharing Madison Square Garden with the Rangers, with concerts, with a lot, with ba- college basketball, with a lot of stuff. So to block out two days in a row is tough. The other thing, which I don't know if you'll get on the record, but I think is probably also true, is that if you look, what do a lot of these teams do, including the Spurs most notoriously? They rest players on the road. And I think that a lot of times they, the league would rather have the second game of a back-to-back on the road. So if teams do decide to rest some players, they're not doing it at home. And costing their own, the owners don't want to cost their own fans money. And I, I think when when you break it down, I think it's probably some combination. See, of those I think two it things. should be backwards, right? Like those I, fans I agree with you. theoretically I think, see I think the from, players forty-one times a year. Yep. And the road fans see them, you know, once maybe twice. I think from an equitable, you know, total fairness standpoint, that's the right way to do it. Uh, I think, but I, it's very clear though. Like, look at San Antonio, right? For all of the for all of the times that Pop 
uh, has rested guys, it's very it's very rare that they're resting guys at home. And mm-hmm. that look, they're they're paying the bills, right? And yeah. and that's that's the and way it's to do also it. like if you rest them on the road, you can leave them at home and they don't have to travel. Exactly. If you're resting them at home, you know they don't necessarily gain as much because they're home anyway. Exactly. So I'd, I'd be curious to find out though, and I, and I may look into that, but I, I would guess that those are the two main reasons beyond that. Uh, yeah, the arena explanation I think is probably largely the reason. It's definitely tough for a lot yes. of these places. Yes. I mean, to get for, them for back some places, like say if you're in Charlotte and you're you're you know the main tenant in the arena and there's nothing not a lot else there it's one thing if you're at staples center or if you're at the garden right. or you know one of these places where there's a million events coming in and out it's very difficult uh to block out a couple of days in a row so i think it's probably a combination of both those things now uh the, the one thing the nba is really pushing which i find kind of interesting is they're trying to break the schedule into weeks um you know they they they're really on a push to to have everybody uh Look at the schedule like week one, week two, week three, right up to the end of the season. Um, you know, the, the 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 kind of the line is that they, they want to try to break up the monotony of the season. They want to try to promote, you know, smaller pockets of the schedule because it is such a long schedule with six. You know, it's basically half the, half the year now. I think it's 26 weeks the regular season now. Um, and, and I also think that even though they won't say it, I think that a pretty big part of this is trying to make fantasy basketball more of a thing. Um, because as you know, a fantasy basketball is just not really taken off the way that say fantasy football has, or even fantasy baseball has. Um, and I think the NBA would like to try to monetize that. Uh, so I was just curious, do you, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think this is something that can work? Uh, or do you think this is just going to end up being an, an experiment that kind of floats away pretty soon? I don't know what to think about it. I didn't even think of the fantasy basketball explanation, which now that you mentioned it makes a lot more sense. Um, I don't think it'll ever work as well as football because teams have different numbers of games. Or even like week. the English Premier League where they have one, they essentially have one game during each match. You know, it's like match day one to 38. And usually there's one, maybe two games a week, but usually one game a week. So they can kind of break it up that way too. Right. Like every team has the same number of games during week three of the NFL season as every other team. Right. Whereas, you know, I don't have the, the schedule in front of me, but during week three of the NBA season, you might get the Rockets playing twice and the magic playing four times you know um who, who knows what that really means like oh, oh okay it's week three what does that tell you it's just the third week of the season but like it, there's no downside like there's only upside here like, right the downside is people ignore it which you know means it doesn't exist which is exactly the situation they were in before yeah. the upside is you know it helps fantasy football it creates interest it does something else that i haven't even thought of and didn't consider um, but I don't think there's any really problem with it. I don't know how quickly it'll catch on or how explosive it'll get. Um, I would imagine it'll take some time for people to get used to it. Like if I were to call up, you know, my dad, who's a casual Knicks fan right now, and tell him that during Week Seven the Knicks are playing the Warriors and the Spurs, he'd be like, "What are you talking about?" Right? Yeah, now? I mean that. So. Yeah, that that is where I think the hangup is going to be. They, I think they they're cognizant of the fact this is going to take a while. And I think from their standpoint, the only way this is going to work long term is if they can get TNT and ESPN to buy in, right? And if they mm-hmm. can, if they can get both those networks when they're talking about games to say coming up in week nineteen of the NBA season, here we've got 
X match, X team playing Y team, uh, and you know this game on this night and this game on that night. Uh, I, I think unless they can do that, it's going to be very hard for them to get this into the lexicon by saying, "Hey, on our website, we've got the schedule broken down by week." You know, I, I just think that's going to yeah. Be tough I for think them to that do. they wouldn't have done this and announced that they were going to do it if they didn't already have buy-in from the networks. Yeah, I don't know if they, I don't know if they have official buy-in yet, but I, I think they're, uh, I, I think they've got, um, I think they've got some. And I'll be, I will be curious to see how how that shakes out. It is, it is something that's going to be worth watching because they, um, they're going to have, um, they're they're going to have, they're going to have this on their minds for a while, and they're going to be trying to get the league, the the league partners to 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 promote it. And if they can, you know, I think it is something in time could work. And and like you said, I mean, fantasy basketball is just not something that anybody's really that involved in. If this if this can help them make some more money on that front. Um, I, I think that I think that'll make a lot of sense. One one final thing before yeah, and, we go and look no, just go real, real quickly sure. before you go into this, like just off the top of my head now, like I just pulled up the NBA.com schedule. Um, week twenty two sounds way better than like, hey, we've got the Spurs and Rockets on ESPN the for Monday night of week twenty two. Then we've got the Spurs and Rockets in this mid March game tonight. Like. I feel like it already sounds better week 22. Yeah, I think I think it's got potential to work. But like I said, I think to your point, like with your dad, right, or my uncle, who's a casual sports fan who likes the NBA but isn't in it, living it every day, for people like that to really buy into this, they're going to need the broadcast partners to promote it and, and buy into mm-hmm. it and, and push it. And I think if they do that, I think it's got a chance to really turn into something. Um, one final yeah. thing before we go. Uh, you know, we've kind of hit on a bunch of stuff here. We talked a little about the Christmas Day slate, about the opening week games. Um, are there any are there any specific matchups or games that you've kind of circled that, that you're excited about for the upcoming season? Um, yeah, look, I think I love watching Celtics Wizards games. They're they're one of those Christmas Day games. I don't remember if they play during the opening week, also. Uh, but those two teams, like you know, everybody complains about how teams don't hate each other anymore. Those teams definitely hate each, hate each other, and now you have you have the added benefit of the the Morai squaring off in the in those games. Yes, which are also with Marcus against Marquis. It's actually the first matchup. Uh-huh. It's actually the first matchup of the season in Boston on Christmas Day, which is interesting. Oh, that's the first time they play each other. Yeah, it's the first time they play each other in Boston on Christmas Day. Oh, interesting. All right, um, you know the the top teams in the West going at each other. Obviously, will be really fun. I want to see that first. Uh, you know. Oklahoma City Golden State game to see how you know those teams match up defensively now with the Thunder having powers and being able to I mean they're not going to stop the Warriors nobody really stops them but well, with last Paul year George they got annihilated Patterson, last year they got annihilated four times this year they at least have a chance to make it interesting yeah and that first yeah, game they've is got on November flexible defenders now too with uh, Paul George Patrick Patterson um, I think we'll do you know, a lot of good for helping them play defense against that team. Um, you know, the the rookie matchups, uh, all these rookie point guards against each other with Lonzo and Fultz and Dennis Smith and De'Aaron Fox and Frank Nilakina and Yeah, I'm really excited to watch all the, five of those guys play all season. I think that's going to be really, really fun, especially because it looks like all of them are going to get a lot of time on their teams too. It's not going to be like they're going to be kind of playing with a veteran caddy. I think, you know, George Hill is in Sacramento, but I, I think that all those guys are going to play a ton of minutes and it, it should be a lot of fun to watch them go head to head. Yeah. I mean, I would think that even Fox, like who is the most established veteran point guard on his team, they're probably going to wind up playing alongside each other a bunch. You know, I think a big reason they signed Hill was because he works just as well off ball as he does on. And, you know, he's got 
the veteran leadership that they very clearly wanted to bring in for this group of young kids. Um, but he also, I think, will work well with Fox in that court. And other than that, like the guy you thought might play the least out of that group of point guards probably was Nilakina. But the only other point guards in his team are Ron Baker and Ramon Sessions. And yeah, so as long Baker as his knee is like, as long as his knee is okay, he's going to get minutes. All of those, all five of those guys who all went, I think, I guess Dennis was the last one at nine. They're all going to play a bunch, so it should, it should definitely. Whenever those guys go head to head, I definitely want to see that too. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. I think the I think the Timberwolf Bucks matchups will be fun with Giannis and Jimmy Butler and and all the, the oh, young yeah. the young guys there. Uh, Markel Fultz opening his career in Washington, uh, playing the Wizards will be fun. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that the, we kind of touched on with the point guards, the fact that the Lakers and Kings have games worth watching now for probably the first time since the, the heyday of, of Chris Weber and Vlade with the Kings back in the early 2000s will be fun. Um, you know, the one it's thing that's Rockets, inter- Clippers games too. I yeah. Rock, well, I was just going to um, say the the one thing that that's kind of fascinating this year is you've got, You've got six guys that were all-stars last year that are going back to play their former team for the first time, which is crazy. I mean, you, you think last year that such a dominant storyline all season was the Durant-Oklahoma City stuff, right? And, and obviously Kevin mm-hmm. Durant is a Hall of Famer and a transcendent player, so it's a little different. And, and obviously the circumstances there were different than, than normal. But you've got six all-stars, DeMarcus Cousins, Chris Paul, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Paul Millsap, Jimmy Butler all guys that have either been traded or signed with another team this summer who are going back to play their former team. It's just crazy that a quarter of the all-stars from last year's game are going to, are somewhere else this year. I mean, it's just, that's that kind of turnover. You just don't see very often. Yeah. Look, the NBA likes to save those games for like midway through the season. They never like to have the guy returning to the old stadium come early on. I don't know if that's a thing where like they want to avoid What's... football to get better ratings or, but they always have the former team play at the new team early on and then the new team play at the former team later in the year well, it's, funny. I didn't it's funny you say that because they actually didn't do that this year oh they have Who's going back early so demarcus is playing on october 26th in sacramento the next night paul Millsap. Uh, well the kings aren't good so. right but still the next night paul Millsap goes back to atlanta who also isn't good um yeah. paul george is back in indy in early december also uh, not good. Right. Jimmy Butler. It, then Jimmy Butler is in February, February 9th in Chicago. And Gordon Hayward's March 28th in Utah. So you could say that the Utah is one of those teams that yeah, could so those be are good this year. But it is still kind of interesting that they, they they did load a lot of those games up earlier than I think both of us would have normally expected. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting that they wound up putting the uh, – I think it's probably purposeful that they wound up putting the three guys going back to relatively worse teams are the ones doing it earlier in the year. Whereas, you know, the other three guys are going back later on. Yeah, and I should say Chris Paul, I have to include Chris Paul in there. I believe his is in mid January. Yeah, it's January fifteenth. Um so that so that one's a little that's later on. That's the, the first too. one. Yes. And that's the first one too. Yeah. So that's Yeah. So that, uh, out of the three teams going back to play teams that are still relatively good. Right. Yeah, I didn't have him in the initial list, so that makes sense. So um, so yeah, it should be it should be a fun year. Uh, a lot of a lot of great storylines. I'm pretty excited, even though it's it's mid August. It's it's fun to have a little bit of NBA to talk about um, right now. So uh, so thanks for thanks for stopping by, Jared. Do you have do you have anything you want to plug in terms of work at the moment, or are you just knee deep in football right now? Yeah, I'm uh, sort of knee deep, but you know I'll have some more stuff coming out. I'm I'm all over the place in terms of where my work is. So you can follow me on Twitter at jadubin5, and all my work goes out there, and my personal website. 
uh, is in my bio where all of my work gets posted as well. And you can check all that out. I've got you know my usual stuff that goes up all over the place and maybe some new projects in the works at some point as well. Cool. Sounds good. So, all right, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for stopping by tonight to, uh, to go over the schedule. Looking forward to a fun season and, uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Jared for doing the podcast tonight. You can follow him on Twitter at jadubin 5 where you get tons of good information about both the NFL and NBA, plus plenty of tweets about his Dallas Cowboys and New York Knicks. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps, on Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA, and both on WashingtonPost.com and in the pages of the newspaper. Please find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you can get your hands on it and give us a five-star rating and review. It's both helpful and appreciated. Also, if you can, go check out some of our other really cool podcasts like Constitutional, Can You Do That, and the Fantasy Football Beat. They're all really good. A lot of people doing some great stuff. Go check it out. Thank you to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. You should go find their music online and pick it up. They do great stuff. See them in concert. They're awesome. Uh, I get more compliments about that than even anything I do on the podcast usually. So uh, go support them. Uh, We'll be back later in the week, probably on Friday with another podcast. But until then, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon.